All right, turn with me to 1 Samuel 19. 1 Samuel 19 tonight. <clears throat> and this chapter really comes on the heels of probably one of the most, uh, not most, but most sad uh, times in Saul's life. And as he is chosen to now wholly and ungodly become obsessed with one thing, and that's the killing of David. And uh, this not only affected Saul's life, but we saw at the, at the very end of the message last week that it affected the entire kingdom and his servants as well. So as you found 1 Samuel chapter 19 there, let's begin in verse 1. And Saul spake to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. I want you to imagine yourself tonight and put yourself in the shoes of one of those servants. As you're coming before the king, the king is having, I don't know if he had a meeting or whatnot, but you're coming into the presence of the king and he's telling you, I want you to murder this guy. And you as a servant, you have probably, some of those servants have gone out and actually watched David and reported to the king of David's good character you just recently witnessed this young man come into the battlefield, the battlefield where you were hiding, and you saw him single-handedly by faith in God take down a giant. Now you've seen him win victory after victory and come back from the battlefield, and you've seen his wise words and his good character, and now you're standing before the king, and the king is telling you to kill him. You can imagine... What is going through these servants' minds as they're standing there and saying, if I don't obey the king, then it's going to be my head. And no matter how hard Saul tries to kill David here, we're going to see that God is providentially in control of all of those circumstances. God is, it doesn't matter how violently that Saul tries to go and kill David, God is going to providentially protect him. And I want you to see tonight, just in our short time together, that God is providentially at work in your life, whether you can see it or not. God will allow things to happen in Saul's life, even to the point of Saul actually going and trying to personally murder David. But if it's not God's time for someone to die, they're not going to die, no matter how, how much uh, someone tries to attempt that. God is very concerned about what goes on in your day-to-day -day life. And God, we can be assured tonight that God is providentially protecting his children. Let's pray tonight as we open <coughs> and thank him for his providential care. Father, we come to you tonight knowing that you are a good father and knowing that you want to assure us tonight that you're providentially <coughs> at work in each one of our lives. Lord, thank you for the life of David, where it is laid out in your word. And Lord, would you teach us tonight of your loving care, even in the life of Saul. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know why Saul decided to tell his son Jonathan this, go kill David, when he knew full well that Jonathan was best friends with David. Jonathan loved David, and yet he chooses to tell Jonathan this. 
And we see in verse 2 Jonathan's responses to warn David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father, seeketh to kill thee. Now therefore, I pray thee, take heed to thyself until the morning, and abide in a secret place, and hide thyself. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where thou art, and I will commune with my father of thee. And what I see, I will tell thee. So Jonathan tells David, you go hide yourself, don't go too far, I'll come and find you and tell you what happens, but I'm going to try to go and reason with my father. Now, Jonathan probably didn't know how deep-rooted bitterness can take hold. Otherwise, he probably wouldn't have tried to reason with, with his father. But Saul's hatred was so deeply rooted that he was not going to listen to common sense. And whenever someone is rejecting the Lord and just the Lord's will, it's hard to reason with them at all. And you may think that someone can be swayed just by your common sense, and it's only the Lord that can break through in that moment of deep-rooted bitterness. So the Lord is the only one that can break that down. And in verses 4 and 5, Jonathan gives his father three reasons why he should not kill David. And Jonathan spake good of David unto Saul his father, and said unto him, Let not the king sin against his servant, against David. Because he hath not sinned against thee, and because his works have been to thee word very good, for he did put his life in his hand and slew the Philistine, and the Lord wrought a great salvation for all Israel. Thou sawest it, and didst rejoice. Wherefore then wilt thou sin against innocent blood to slay David without a cause? And so... Jonathan comes to his dad and tries to reason with him, and he gives him these three things. Number one, David hasn't sinned against you. David hasn't done anything wrong against you as a king. Secondly, he said his works have been very good towards you. In other words, his second argument was, Dad, it's, it's, it's one thing for someone not to do bad to you, to just, just be neutral but it's a whole other thing to intentionally make his works all good towards you. And this is what David has done. And the third thing he gives him is, do you remember when he put his, hand, his life in your hand and as a soldier underneath you went out and slew the Philistine? Do you remember you saw it and you rejoiced? You rejoiced in it. Do you remember those good old days? as he's trying to, to, trying to bring his father, sway him to his side of reasoning. And verse 6 says, And Saul hearkened unto the voice of Jonathan. And Saul swear, as the Lord liveth, he shall not be slain. And this is what Saul said, really, to appease his son, but we're going to see in a moment that he doesn't change. Verse 7, And Jonathan called David, and Jonathan shewed him all those things, and Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as in times past. Jonathan's thinking that all things are good again. It's, it's just like the good old times. David's in the palace again with, with Saul, but Saul does not really change. And it reminds us that someone can say they have changed, 
someone can say they have maybe gotten right with the Lord or they're, 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 they're on the right track, but it's shown, it's proven by their actions. It's not that their actions save them at all, but it's their actions that show whether they believe and have faith in the one true God. On Monday night, the ladies studied a lady named Rahab. You remember, good job, that was two days ago. And she, in Hebrews chapter 11, if you remember, it says that she was justified by her works. In other words, she, it wasn't that she got saved by her works. She had faith in the one true God that she proclaimed to those two spies, and that was justified when she, when she took them in from hiding, that she believed in the one true God. James chapter 2 and verse 20 and 26 says that our faith without works is dead before men. You may be saved, justified by faith before God, and sitting here tonight, but how does someone know that you have faith? It's by your works, by your actions, what you do, and, and, and is proof to a dying world that you have faith in the only hope of salvation, and that's Jesus Christ. Well, in verse 8 here, David goes out and wins another great victory. Exactly what Saul wanted, right? Verse 8, And there was war again, and David went out and fought with the Philistines and slew them with a great slaughter, and they fell, fled before him, uh, fled from him. And the evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul as he had sat in his house with his javelin in his hand. And David played with his hand. Again, David comes back from fighting, and the Lord gives us in, in great detail here again that there was a javelin in Saul's hand and, and ready to be used, really. And verse 10 says, And Saul sought to smite David even to the wall with the javelin. But he slipped away out of Saul's presence, and he smote the javelin into the wall, and David fled and escaped that night. You remember, David has already twice previously escaped Saul's javelin. Now, this is the third time that this is happening to him. And, and, and the evil spirit comes back, and Saul hasn't changed. The Lord allows. It wasn't that the Lord put this upon Saul. It was that the Lord allowed him to, to have this evil spirit come upon him. In the next several verses, David and his wife, Michael, that he uh, won by, by uh, battle there, make a plan for David to escape, not just from really the, 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 the kingdom, but from the area completely. Verse 11, Saul also sent messengers unto David's house to watch him and to slay him in the morning. And Michael, David's wife, told him, saying, If thou save not thy life tonight, tomorrow thou shalt be slain. So Michael let David down through, the, through a window, and he went and fled and escaped. And Michael took an image and laid it in the bed and put a pillows of, pillow of goat's hair for his bolster and covered it with cloth. And when Saul sent messengers to, Dave, to take David, she said, He is sick. And Saul said, sent the messengers again to see David, saying, Bring him up to me in the bed that I may slay him. And so what's happening here is, I don't know if you've ever done this before, where you, maybe you were trying to trick your parents 
into like making them think you're taking a nap. I don't know, maybe you weren't like me. And you put a pillow in the bed and something as the head or something, you're trying to trick your brother or sister and, and scream and make them come and try to find you. And, but this is what they're doing to, to help David escape. She's already let him out the window. She makes up something. And the, the men come, they pound on the door. And she says, you, you really can't come in right now. He's sick. You know, wait. Can you, can you guys just wait? Well, as a servant, you're thinking, yeah, we don't really want to kill David right now. We'll go back to the kingdom. And Saul says, I don't care if he's sick. Pick up the bed, all four sides, bring him to the kingdom, and I'll slay him myself. Verse 16, and when the messengers were come in, behold, there was an image in the bed with a pillow of goat's hair for, for his bolster. And Saul said unto Michael, now, now, now the king gets involved, he comes, says to his daughter, why hast thou deceived me so and sent away mine enemy? I want you to remember there, Saul hates David. David does not hate Saul. But Saul has become so ungodly obsessed with this that he has made this really his life's mission. He's sent away the, the man that he's trying to kill and sent away mine enemy that he is escaped. And Michael answered Saul, he said unto me, let me go. Why should I kill thee? And at the end of this verse, Michael lies. That's not what happened. I don't know if Michael was scared of her father that, that she, would, she would be killed, but whatever she said appeased Saul to the point where he does nothing to her. Verse 18, so David fled and escaped and came to Samuel to Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and dwelt in Naoth. Now, Ramah, just geographically, was not far away. Uh, people would have known that he was going that direction. Uh, a little bit to the northwest is where David was going from where he was originally. But he was going there to see Samuel. He, wanted, he, he figured that would be a safe place. And now really here at the end of chapter 19, as these men and Saul find out where David is, is where we see the providential protection of God on David's life, on a man who has chosen a path of trusting God. And we also see the finger of love in Saul's life. Let's look at verse 19. And it was told Saul, saying, Behold, David is at Naoth in Ramah. And Saul sent messengers to take David, and when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as appointed over them, the Spirit of God was upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. And when it was told Saul, he sent other messengers, and they prophesied likewise. And Saul sent messengers again a third time, and they prophesied also. So Saul sends messengers three times, trying to get them to go grab David, bring him back so he can slay him. And what happens? The Spirit of the Lord comes upon these men, and it doesn't mean that they're foretelling the future, as we would maybe think of in prophesying. But this Hebrew word means that they did things that they wouldn't normally do under the stubbornness of their own will. And they're prophesying in, the, in that sense. And this was God's providence in protecting David. I think of the story of Brother Andrew. Uh, who went into the Iron Curtain 
they're at the time of, of, of great conflict and, and wanting to just really abolish the Bible. And as he crossed, he, you can read about him in, in, his, in, in the book uh, that's written about his life in God Smuggler, as he smuggles Bibles across into the Iron Curtain. And there was one day where he had gotten a car from someone and was driving up to an inspection point. And as he came into that inspection point, he knew that they were going to check all of his luggage. There wasn't going to be a part of that car that was unchecked. So they open the trunk and they pull out one of his suitcases and he knows that that suitcase is full of Bibles and tracts. And at that moment, he cries out to the Lord just in his heart. And he said, Lord, in your days here on earth, you made the blind, uh, the, the blind eyes to see. Lord, would you right now make seeing eyes blind? And when they opened up that suitcase, a bunch of tracks fell out, and they didn't see anything. They said, well, this looks good. They packed it up and stuck it right back into his, even picking up the gospel tracks that had fallen out and sticking them back in the suitcase. And right there was a miracle of God's providential protection on his life he was trying to get the word of God to the people in the Iron Curtain there. God protected David from the messengers that Saul sent, and now Saul was going to try to take things into his own hand. Let's look at verse 22. Then went he, that Saul, also to Ramah. Again, he's already had three groups of messengers uh, come underneath the Spirit of the Lord. And came to the great well, which is in Sichu, and he asked and said, where are Samuel and David? If you can imagine that person that's being asked that as the king in his wrath is saying, where on earth is Samuel and David? And one said, behold, they be at Naoth in Ramah. And he went thither to Naoth in Ramah. And the spirit of God was upon him also. And he went on and prophesied until he came to Naoth and Ramah. And he stripped off his clothes also and prophesied before Samuel in like manner and lay down naked all the day and all that night. Wherefore, they say, is Saul also among the prophets? And again, he was prophesying, not necessarily foretelling, but doing things under the spirit of the Lord that he would not have normally done. Now, I want to point out one word here in verse 24. When the Bible says that he took off his clothes and was naked, that Hebrew word is Aram, which means that it has two meanings. Yes, to be unclothed, but it also can mean partially unclothed. In other words, he took, it off, he took off his kingly garments down to his undershirt and undergarments. And you say, why is that important? Why are you pointing out that word of all things? It's important for two reasons, I believe. Number one, Saul here under the spirit of the Lord is doing something that he would not have in his stubborn will done. He's taking off his kingly garments in humility. And that's not something that, that Saul came here to do. Saul was stubborn. He was, he was looking to, to kill David. And secondly, just as the Hebrew uh, around it supports this, this idea of, of just him taking off his kingly garments, secondly, God in this moment, as the Spirit of the Lord comes on Saul, is not trying to bring unneeded shame to Saul. 
God in this moment is trying to bring Saul in this moment of, of absolutely trying to kill David. He's trying to bring him to the path of humility. God is providentially attempting in one of Saul's darkest hours to touch him with the finger of love. And Saul takes off those kingly garments, something he would never do. And I want us to see in our lives, God is providentially working to to show us his love, whether we see it or not. And even in our darkest hours, God is trying to touch us with love. I want us to turn to Psalm chapter 59 in closing tonight. Psalm chapter 59. Psalm chapter 59 was written during this uh, event, really, in David's life. In my Bible, it doesn't have this, but maybe in, in yours it does. I printed it out on my sheet here so that I would have it. Um, but the, the header to Psalm chapter 59, it says, To the chief musician, uh, Atlasheth, Mitchum of David, when Saul sent, and they watched the house to kill him. So this was during that time in his life where he's just getting ready to leave the house, being let down out of the window. Verse 1 says, Deliver me from mine enemies, O my God. Defend me from them that rise up against me. Deliver me from the workers of iniquity and save me from bloody men. We don't have time really to to read the entire chapter tonight, but I want you to see really David's response. Verse 10, the God of my mercy shall prevent me. And that word prevent means to go before me. He's going to prevent anything from hurting me. God shall let me see my desire upon mine enemies. And then verse 17. Unto thee, O my strength, will I sing, for God is my defense and the God of my mercy. He was the one that that David was trusting. That was a scary time in David's life. And you might walk through some scary times as well in your life, some dark times. And David here chooses to trust the Lord. He chooses to the path of humility. He chooses not to get angry. He chooses not to become ungodly obsessed. He chooses to trust in God's providential protection. May we, as Shano Baptist Church, learn to rest and trust in God's providential care. He's worthy of our trust. The question really is, do you trust him? Father, tonight, as we go to prayer, where would you lead us to praise you for your protection, and Lord, to, to trust you that you are at work in our life. Or we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I like to just dwell on, diff- as I was preparing really the message tonight, Just I was thinking back through just how God has provided through this whole building uh, situation his protection even through these last couple of days, I remember Sunday night I asked you to pray about just the utilities and uh, how just protection and switching those over in time. And uh, there were several things happening to where I went to the utility companies and they had the wrong address. Uh, their address was 100 MBC Drive. 
and the address I was trying to get utilities for was North 5364 MBC Drive. And just the hassle of, it, it was, you know, quite a bit of work trying to prove to them that, you know, no, this is the right property. And God protected all throughout that where I was able to get that done by yesterday and get those utilities switched over. So just, and all along the way, all along the way, this whole last year, God has protected us from the time that we put in our first offer of $175,000. And God knew at that time we couldn't pay that to lowering the price to $150,000. God has been faithful all along the way. And uh, even to the people that would want to take advantage of us, we, we saw the Lord work even through that in, in, in using them to, to actually in turn help us. So God has been very good and he's worthy of our praise tonight.